Hi, this is Lisa Davis, and welcome to another episode of Talk Healthy Today. The show provides you with the latest research tools and common sense tips you need to get and stay healthy starting today. People tell me listening to the show is like overhearing two friends talking about really incredible health topics that you want to know about. I like to really get to know my guests and I'd like you to get to know them as well. So we delve really deeply into topics and I like to share some personal anecdotes as well. To make sure you never miss an episode of Talk Healthy Today, be sure to subscribe. Also rate and review. Wouldn't it be great if there was one health book out there that actually addressed your whole body, mind, spirit? Well, let me tell you, there is. It is called Clean Eating, Dirty Sex. It is not about dirty sex. It is a play off the word clean, sensual superfoods and aphrodisiac practices for ultimate sexual health and connection. This book is a healthy lifestyle guide. There are over 40 top experts from functional medicine physicians to registered dietitians to exercise physiologists to psychologists, sexologists, all engaged to help you live your happiest, healthiest life. There are over 50 fantastic, healthy, and delicious recipes. It is also a memoir where I, because I am the author of this book, Lisa Davis, share some very personal stories. Some are heartbreaking. Some are funny to help you get to where you need to be to understand that it does take time to change, but that I am here along with all the other health experts in the book to help you. Don't let the title fool you. This book will help your communication, your intimacy, how you relate to your partner, how you relate to yourself. But if you do what the book says, it will also help you in every aspect of your health. So please go now. You can get it on Amazon, Barnes and Nobles. It's sold in local bookstores across the country. Check it out. Clean Eating, Dirty Sex. If you read my book that came out in February of 2019, Clean Eating, Dirty Sex, again, for the millionth time, it's not about dirty sex. It's a play on words. Um, (laughs) I did share some personal stories, um, uh, some hard things that I grew up with. Uh, There's some laughter in there. But one of the reasons I did it is I really wanted to reach people on a deeper level. And I really admire when people share their pain and and how they move through it to help others. So I was so excited when I got the fantastic book, If You Say So, My Story and How I Changed It to Save My Life. James Swigert on the show. Hello, James. Hello. Good morning, and thanks for having me on. A great voice, by the way. I was listening to an interview with you this morning, and I thought, my gosh, he has such a fantastic voice. Thank you. It's really great. Okay, so I mentioned already that you know you shared some very painful experiences in this book, and and so many of us tell ourselves these stories. You know, for for my story was I was a loser, like from the time I was a little kid all through high school. And it started to change in college, but I still held on to that. And then I would do behaviors that weren't good for me to act out to sort of make myself feel validated. And I think when we can share what we've gone through, it makes such a big difference. So you talk about in the book, you know, your your father left and it was you and your mother and you were super creative and, and she was there for you. And then she marries a man with five kids. And you already had seven in your family. Yeah, it was it was it was pretty hectic, you know. And being the youngest of what ended up as a, a batch of twelve kids, you know, there were and plus the two parents, my my mother and my stepfather. So ultimately, there were you know fourteen of us living in a three bedroom had moved into a three bedroom house. It was pandemonium, you know. It was it was the dysfunctional Brady Bunch, as I like to say. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, so it was 10 boys, two girls, and I was, you know, at the the bottom of the totem pole. So 
it was very, uh, it was scary. It was scary. There was every, you know, you just refer to acting out and, and, and thank you for your journey as well. And, and your courage, you know, to walk through what you had to walk through and, and then to, to, to be able to share about it and help others and give others hope. I, that, that's everything to me. Um, you know, as we, we, we take our experiences and see, you know, how we can, how we can give back and help others walk through the darkness. Right. Because there's, we're, we're all going to be victims of something, you know, it's just a matter of whether we want to remain a victim or not. And, and, you know, it, it took me a while to find out that that was a choice, you know, that then on some of those issues of, of the molest stuff that I had to deal with that I just was so, you know, angry and resentful towards my abuser that I just swore I would never forgive that person. And, um, you know, so I, I, I kept that you know, uh, anger for 30 years and, 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 you know, some other things as, as you read the book, you'll see some of the stories that we talked about, but, but it's, uh, um, you know, but going back to the family, you know, it was, it was crazy. And being the youngest of that, you know, and, and, and a lot of the, the older, older kids who were in their teens were acting out, they were smoking pot, doing drugs, LSD, you know, there was just a, a ton of alcohol and acting out. And so, you know, when I would come home as a little boy from school on my bicycle, you know, there were times I wanted to just ride past my house and not go in because it was, I'd have to really kind of work up the courage to walk in there and find, you know, who do I ally myself with? Who do I stay away from? Who's going to throw a plate at dinner? You know, and it was, it was, so it was, you know, a, a little bit like going into battle every time I would go home. Um, and that's tough, right? On a, oh, on a, definitely. On a young person. Those types of events, which are real events, right? They create stories for, or we create stories around those events, right? Like you said, you know, you had your story of that I'm a loser. And for me, it was, I'm unlovable. You know, I'm being forgotten about because there's just too many kids to take care of and too many needs to try to address. And I kept getting left at school and left at grocery stores. And I was left at a gas station on a family trip and, you know, literally forgotten about. So, you know, what are the stories I create around that? You know, I don't matter. I don't count, you know? And, and so what happens is, is as a kid in, in those types of deep fears, you loop those stories. And as you said, my behavior, uh, matched that, right. It's like, because like, well then that, then I must not matter. Right. And so when you carry those stories that you're looping in your head and these aren't the stories of, of you know, I'm not talking about autobiographies, you know, for your listeners, these are those stories we tell in the dark. Right. When we're alone, when we're scared, when we're feeling sick and we're home alone, those stories are the stories I'm talking about. And, and, you know, some of them are true, but most are not. And so what happened is I started looping those stories into adulthood. Right. And they, they know those stories don't serve you in adult, you know, intimate, loving, romantic relationships. It's, it's it doesn't serve you, you know, and then until I, I was able to ask for some help because I kept finding myself in the same old, you know, unworkable relationships and anger and frustration, and et cetera. And had some really, really great mentors that were able to tell me that I was just telling a story and looping a story that wasn't true. Yeah. One of the stories I love is when you, you talk about in this interview that you have a, one of your mentors told you over the phone, get a piece of paper, sit down and write each word I say, do not believe everything you think. And then he hung up. That was great. And, and so I'm having to look at what I had just written, right? Right. Do not believe everything you think. And I realized that I was believing everything I thought. And some of those things just weren't true, right? And that's that's creating the opening for for change and possibilities for change and doing things differently. And I think one of the core messages when I'm speaking to groups um, is, is my book is really about letting people, because I'm not here to convert anyone, right? I'm, I just want to let people know that they have a choice. Because for me, so for so long, 
I didn't realize that happiness was a choice. I just thought I was a victim of circumstance and the, and the universe was blowing me into the gutter every time and, and that, and I, and I just, I didn't re- and, and so the message is there are other ways of being, you know, there are other ways of being and, you know, there's some work you got to do and there's some things, steps you got to take to, to, to move, you know, action, to move in the direction of, of making change, but it is possible. Yeah, it is. And I'm really glad that you said that because I think sometimes people are like, oh, just tell yourself to be happy, but they don't do any of the work. And one of the things that I love in the, well, there's so many things I love in the book. I love the way you lay it out. I love how each chapter has to do with a different part of a train. And in the baggage car, you write, uh, it's dark in the baggage car. There's none of the soft lighting that's kept the passenger car feeling clean and cozy. The steel walls are thin and the rumble of the train is almost deafening. And there's a dank smell, hard to place, but faintly musty like old cedar blocks. It's hard to be in the car as if the mounds of crates and bags and traveling chests know you're looking at them and resent you for it. I always say you, you can't go around it. You have to move through it. And I think if, you know, when I talk to people who are super simplistic and say, oh, just choose to be happy, but they have layers and layers of trauma that they haven't gone through, I'm not buying it. I think you have to work through it uh, at, 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 in some way. See a therapist, do, do something that will help you work through the, the, the heaviness because abuse is intense. And just to snap your fingers and be happy, I'm not I'm not on board. Ha. Huh? See, I used a training analogy, but neither <laughs> well are you, right? And that's why I like the book. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I you know, I and I'm I'm as you see, uh, you know, I'm a big advocate for, you know, um the, the four agreements, the power of the spoken word, right? Be impeccable with your word. That's really what my book is a deep dive on the words that we use to describe ourselves. And I'm also um, a, a huge believer and a fan of Abraham Hicks and the law of attraction. And, and, you know, some people misinterpret that as just, oh, you're just the power of positive thinking and talking and, and then your life changes. Y- yes, but there's, there's the work to be done. And that's, you know, it's funny. I, some, I was, I was apprehensive about the train metaphor, but it ended up holding up and I had a really good like editor it. to help me. Uh, Michael Levin was, was, uh, helped me make that work. And, uh, you know, and that's the shoveling coal part, right? That's the work. And as you said, you know, I, it, you know, there's, there's, there's a time and a place to go into the baggage car and to open some of that stuff up and let it out and toss the baggage off, you know, at the next, at the next train station, you know, and not carry that with us. But yes, you've got to go, you know, some, some of us spend too much time in the baggage car, right? right. That's and that's true, not, yeah. that's not the, that's, you know, or the caboose looking back on what could have, would have, should have, you know, but um, as you said, there's a time to go into that baggage car and to, and to what I call feel the unfelt feelings, right? To process those emotions, to get to the other side of it so we can get to the forgiveness and move forward and then get back up in the locomotive and start shoveling coal to get our train moving. And that's, that's, that's the 10,000 hours right? That's the work we need to do in order to, to accomplish our, you know, follow our dreams. Um, you know, and that's, 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 that's the work. And, and, you know, there's kind of no way around that because that important work is what gives us that feeling of self-satisfaction, right? That we are contributing to the, 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 the planet, our community, you know, society, and, 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 and that's hugely important to our self-esteem, um, you know, and, and, and our, and our old freedom, right? Oh, completely. And, you know, one of the things too, in the book, you, you talk about at 17, you lost, I think it was 35 pounds in a month. They did a lot of tests. They couldn't find out what was wrong. 
And you talked about your mom being a, a smoker, and you write, it wasn't just a smoke I had internalized. It was a stress of living in that house, of getting lost in the shuffle, left behind it, ignored by my parents, and tormented by my step-siblings. As a result, I felt the pain of those years physically to the point where I couldn't breathe, to the point where my insides were literally breaking down from the stress. And that's another thing that can happen when we bury, 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 right? And everything's in that baggage car. It can make you sick. Talk to us a little bit about that time and, and how scary that must have been. Sure. Yeah. I, I had already, you know, at the age of 12, started using alcohol and drugs uh, soon thereafter. And uh, but this, you know, this this medical condition that had happened to me, you know, it's as as you and I know, it's always stress, right? It's always some kind of stress, uh, some sort of unresolved tension that we're keeping in. Right. They say that there's there's usually the two major illnesses that come from children from, you know, uh, abusive, dysfunctional families. And it's asthma, right, which I have <laughs> uh, or had, I should say. Um, I, I seldom have to deal with it anymore because I live pretty clean. And then ulcerative colitis, which, you know, the stomach and, and just not being able to breathe. So two obviously very important functions just completely shut down. And, um, you know, that was a scary time for me because I did not know what was happening to me. You know, it took many years of, of self-awareness, working on myself and under, really understanding uh, what I had gone through. And, and, and uh, you know, what's interesting is, is I was able to, to, in writing this book, I realized how resilient the human body can be to incredible stress. You know, we, we are, we are pretty, <laughs> we're pretty tough animals. If you think about it, the stuff, some of the stuff that we go through and survive, not unlike yourself. And, and so, um, you know, uh, uh, but you got to address it, right? You got to address it. It's, it's just the high, the hiding in drugs and alcohol, or even, you know, the pills and taking the edge off and this and that when, when, you know, it, it's fine to do things recreationally, like drinking wine, et cetera. I don't, I don't harsh on that, but, but, uh, when it's used to mask, feelings right and, and and it's used to cope um that might be a little red flag that there might be a little work to be done and and like you said reaching out and asking for help um finding a good therapist if you know someone who's, who's seeing a therapist you know ask for a recommendation and maybe they have somebody that might be someone good to talk to right to be able to just kind of see if there isn't some stuff we can go back in and clean up take a look at and process so that we can be free and move on and feel clean right um but uh, yeah, yeah, that uh, that was a scary time for me. You know, talk to us about these mentors because you you were talking about feeling broken, saying you're broken. This is your story, having the the stories from from childhood about being unlovable. What 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 happened that your mind started to switch and go? Wait a second, this is this isn't working for me anymore. Uh, it was exactly that. This isn't working for me anymore. Whatever I was doing wasn't working for me anymore, and it was this sudden realization and i had seen some some change in some other friends of mine and how they had kind of taken a turn i kind of asked hey what what's what's going on you seem different you got a sparkle in your eye and so they started to share with me some of the things that they had done and one of the um you know things that i, I, I we need to make more prevalent in america is really mentoring um and and um you know helping helping others. And, and again, this is why um, I think 12-step groups work. This is why survival groups work because when, you know, sympathy is nice, but empathy is far more powerful. When, when you can remove the ability for someone else to say, you don't understand how I feel, or you couldn't possibly understand how I feel, right? When you can remove that argument or that objection, and you can say to someone, you know, 
me too. Like, like I love the me too movement. It's great. And I've, I've, my, my team has helped me put together this hashtag men too, you know? And, and, and it's like when someone can say, no, I understand, right? I get it. I've been there. Let me show you how, let me show you what I did to get to where I am now. And, and so I had to ask for help and by asking for help, it immediately creates this vacuum. Um, and there's that great saying, you know, that when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And, and certainly that's what happened for me. You know, I asked for help to a brother of mine uh, and he, he helped point me in the right direction where I found uh, this amazing, a few amazing, many amazing men, but one in particular who I asked to kind of mentor me, uh, Bob Palmer, who I write about extensively in the book. And he was incredible. And, um, you know, he just had love, compassion. He didn't want anything from me. Uh, he just wanted me to be happy and to have peace of mind. And, uh, you know, he would teach me things like, you know, when I'd be, I'd call him beating myself up about something and he'd say, be on your own side, kid, just be on your own side. And, you know, things like that. And, and, and it was just, I, I did, the way I describe him is if I could design my own dad and mash him up with the Buddha, that's who Bob was. He was incredible. He was just this, just full of love. He had a great sense of humor, didn't take any himself too seriously and, and, and pushed me to not take myself too seriously as well. But, you know, when, when you have somebody that will just sit and listen and see, help see you for who you are and then kind of call you out on, on stories that aren't true. That's, I think that's an important role for people to play. How does someone get a mentor? Like if they feel like they're, they're in this alone or they don't know, people are, you know, just sort of like, oh, just, you know, stop being so negative, but they're not really saying, hey, what's going on or what, what's happening with you? Sure. I, you know, I have this line, um, <laughs> one of my mentors, Eric Baum, used to say to me, he said, don't go to a Chinese restaurant and order tacos. They don't serve them there. <laughs> and so, <laughs> you know, this idea of go where you get fed. You know, if you want to be a mountain climber, you know, uh, you know, hanging out with cowboys probably is not going to, you're not going to find a good mentor there, right? <laughs> you know, go to, <laughs> go to Yosemite Valley where the climbers are, find the people who uh, others look up to, find the helpers, you know, cause to me that's, uh, there's two kinds of people in this world. In my opinion, there's, there are takers and there are helpers and the takers are really easy to spot and the helpers are the ones, you know, the greatest people in history have all been helpers, you know, right. Princess Di, Mahatma Gandhi, Dr. King, you can look through, through time and all the greatest people of uh, in history have all been helpers. And so I look for the helpers and I try to be one and that's where you, you know, and, and you, you go where you get fed, right? So if you, if you want to be a surfer, go to Hawaii, go to, <laughs> go to the places that, 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 you know, where you find those people and then you'll find the people who are the helpers there. And, and people who are helpers tend to help people. And so when you, uh, you know, when you're asking for mentorship, you know, maybe the person who you've, you know, idolized isn't available to help you, but they might point you in the direction of someone that can. And so, uh, you know, and so that's, that's why just asking and seeking, right. And that's, I, in, in the, the, the first page of my book, after I dedicate it to my mother, Mary, the second page after that, I said, this book is for the seekers, right. Cause not everyone's ready for these kinds of messages and this kind of information. But, you know, if you are, if you, if you, if you're ready to believe that, that you have a choice, you know, to be happy or not, you know, my book's kind of a good starting point to, to be able to kind of dig into kind of what are some of the actions I can take in order to, to step in the direction of my happiness and my, my, my dreams. 
Exactly. It's funny you say that because I was about to ask, what are some other actions that you took in addition to the mentors? Sure. No, I, I kind of have this, this five-step process um, that guarantees results on, on how to be happy and, 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 and successful. And, and, you know, the, let's define success. I, you know, I live in Beverly Hills and I've been very successful. I've had a great career. Um, some of the most miserable people I know, I get calls to ask help in Beverly Hills. (laughs) So (laughs) money is not the key to success. Okay. Um, you know, uh, building wealth is hugely important to me, uh, living comfortably. I like nice things, but that's not the key to happiness. Right. Some of the happiest people I know are some of the poorest people I know. So, uh, you know, success, the way I define success is, are you happy? Right. Do you have that? Do you have peace of mind? And then the last part of that is, are you doing your best? Are you leaving it all on the field? You know, because that's, that's, you know, John Wooden, the great basketball coach from UCLA talks about his definition of success and it's those ingredients, right? Did you do your best? Because I can't, I can't go be LeBron James or I can't play one-on-one with LeBron James. I just don't have the physical talent. I'm too old now, (laughs) but, um, but, um, you know, I could go become a high school basketball coach and I could work my way up and maybe work into college and maybe become a professional basketball coach. And could I coach a team that goes and beats LeBron James? Yes, that's completely feasible. You know what I mean? So it's, 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 you know, so anyways, going back to the, the, the five steps, the first thing is diet and exercise, right? They teach us that in kindergarten diet. We've got to eat well, try to cut out on processed foods. We don't need breads and cheeses. They're nice to have. They're fun, you know, on our, on our palate. But, but if I, if I'm eating fruit, vegetables, meats, you know, uh, and unprocessed foods, um, I'm a big fan of juicing, you know, um, celery, carrot, uh, apple, ginger, uh, pretty regularly juicing. Um, and then the exercise, you know, you gotta exercise. We've got to move our bodies. You know, I, I work out at least one and a half hours, um, three times a week and to where I'm yeah, breaking, you look amazing. breaking a hard sweat. Thank you. Thank you very much. No. And it's, it's because that's part of it, right? It's all connected. It's my, my solution is a mind, body, spirit solution, you know, to, to, to trauma. Uh, and, um, you know, cause it's all connected. And then the second part of that is second step is prayer and meditation. You know, I'm non-denominational. Uh, I'm agnostic to the point where I, I work with and mentor Christian kids, Jewish kids, Muslim kids. It doesn't matter, you know, but but prayer and meditation. Um, and someone broke it down for me that prayer is talking to God. Meditation is listening. And so those two components, and I'm big on meditation of just sitting still, quieting your mind and your body so that you can make healthier choices throughout the day. And that's really what, what meditation is for me. The third part of that is visualization. I love vision boards. I love visualizing and putting in front of me uh, my dreams, my goals, what I want to achieve, who I want to be. Uh, and so I have a pretty uh, elaborate vision board that I'm constantly updating, you know, where I'm, I'm you know, I put my, my, my movie is on there. My book was on there and I was able to accomplish and finish my book. And, and so being able to, and, and you make it fun. You know, I, I put up things of toys that I want, you know, it's like, I would love a, I want a 58 Corvette, you know? And so it's like, I put that on there as well as, as all the other things that I want and the, and the people who inspire me in the world, um, like Dwayne, the rock Johnson, he's a beast in the gym. And I love that. And so it's like, Hey, like, I can't make excuses about my age. Go, go work out hard in the gym, you know? Um, and then the fourth part of that is gratitude and service. 
which is, you know, every day uh, living in gratitude, being grateful for you and your show and what you're doing, being grateful for my fiance and my dog and my home and my career and my friends. Um, I write a gratitude list every day of 10 things I'm grateful for. And I email it to a group of, of men that we all do the same. And so uh, staying connected to that. I wrote one the day my, my marriage ended. Uh, which was really powerful for my crew. They were like, wow, you are still finding 10 things to be grateful for. Um, service being when, people, when I'm asked to mentor people, right? I have to carve out the time to be able to help others. Where it's, where it's, when I say service, just to, you know, whether it's volunteering in your community, whether it's working at a charity, but doing, doing a kind deed, giving of your time and energy, uh, and maybe it's your money, to, without expecting anything in return. So gratitude and service is the fourth part of that. The fifth part is shoveling coal, right? Shoveling coal is the, is the, is putting on the overalls, grabbing the shovel, getting in the coal car and just start, start shoveling coal into that fire in the locomotive, which is our, that, that furnace represents our soul's desire, right? What we're here to do on this planet. You know, I, I explain to people sometimes when I'm working with guys that are new, you know, their fire's out <laughs> and it's time to, you know, put some coal in there and start fanning those flames and get that fire going so that your train can start moving because that fire, you know, that, you know, your soul's desire is that thing that you, and it, sometimes it takes a while to discover, you know, I, I talk about making that journey from our head to our heart to figure out what we're here to do. And, you know, when you look at people like, uh, um, let's say Tom Brady, for example, when he's you know, throwing passes and he's winning games and winning Super Bowls, you know, he knows what he's here to do. He's not questioning his career choice, right? He's right in the zone. I'm a 49er fan. So it's, you know, I mean, I'm still using the Tom Brady, I'm trying to be bi-coastal here, but, 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 you know, he's the greatest quarterback of all time. You can't argue that. And, and when he's doing what he's doing or LeBron James, when he's slammed, slamming the ball through the hoop, he's not questioning his career choice right? He's here to do what he was meant to do. And we all have that, right? I may not, like I said, I may not be able to go beat LeBron James in a one-on-one, but I might beat him by coaching on another team, you know? And, and it might mean going and being the most amazing eighth grade teacher in, you know, Des Moines, Iowa, you know? And, and being that kind of teacher that students come back 10 and 15 years later to say, thank you for going the extra mile to see who I was. And to, and to help guide me in the direction of my talents and my skills, you know, thank you for that. And, and, you know, hopefully people listening here have people like that in their lives. Cause I know there were a couple of teachers that really saw who I was. They saw that I was a troubled kid, but they still tried to reach out to me and tried to encourage my creative talents, you know, in spite of the fact that I went to a pretty, you know, academically, you know, oriented, you know, college prep school, a couple of these guys really, really tried to reach out to me. And, and, and I remember that those moments where it's like, wow, this guy sees me, he sees the pain in my eyes, you know, and he's, and he's trying to help. Right. And so when we go that extra mile and those are the helpers, right? Those are the helpers. Those are the people that go the extra mile. And that's how you, that's how you're successful in life. When you can put your head on your pillow and, and, and feel good about the fact that you did your best that day. It's so true. You know, I have some people in my life that are definitely stuck and I'll have other people go, oh my God, they're so smart. They're like the smartest people I've ever met. How can they be stuck? It's like, it's not just, it's, that doesn't, if they have trauma that they haven't been able to move through and if they're telling themselves these stories, it doesn't matter how intelligent they are. No, no. And, and, and that's the, that's the funny thing about this is the beauty of happiness is it's available to everyone, right? The beauty of success as I defined it is available to everyone. 
you can find you, happiness is a choice. There's that great Abraham Lincoln quote, right? The people are as happy as they make up their minds to be. You know, you can, you can find peace of mind, you know, uh, by doing your best, right. And just doing your best. Cause you can't do better than your best, <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, and we've got to go into the baggage car to retire our parents' voices of saying, we should do this. You ought to be this. You should be a doctor. You should be smarter. You, you know, all those stories that are lies that we're looping our head. And so what I do is I, I like to get people, okay, what's the new story you want to tell? You know, that I'm enough, that I am loved, that I am complete and whole as I am. You know, that's the new story. And the new story is that I can be or do whatever I want in this world as long as I'm willing to shovel the coal. Right. You, you're just fabulous, James. I mean, you're just so inspiring. <laughs> <laughs> the book well, is you. wonderful. If you, say, if you say so, my story and how I changed it to save my life. James, tell us all the ways we can find out about the wonderful work you're doing. And I bet there's people listening who are like, how do I work with this guy? Can I work with this guy? Will he be my mentor? Or do you have like a, a any sort of like count, you know, coaching service and <laughs> all that kind of stuff? Absolutely. And thank you again. Thanks for having me on the show. And yeah, you can go to jamesswigert.com. It's S-W-E-I-G-E-R-T. And um, all of my speaking and uh, coaching information is there as well as all uh, social media links. And um, there's also, uh, you can click through to buy the book through that. And the book is available on Amazon on uh, audiobook. It's on Audible, uh, hardcover, paperback and ebook. So uh, I, again, thanks for having me on the show, Lisa. It's really great to uh, to, to to be on your show and, and uh, share a little bit about my journey. So thank you. Oh, it's fantastic. I want to thank everyone for listening to Talk Healthy Today. You'll join me on my health journey. I want to join you on your health journey. And I want Talk Healthy Today to be there for you. So please subscribe, rate, and review. Never miss an episode. You can follow me at Health Media Gal, the number one, Health Media Gal one. And also on itsyourhealthwithlisadavis.com. And be sure to check out Clean Eating Dirty Sex. It is not dirty. It's a memoir cookbook from recipes with the wonderful Aaron McDonald and a healthy lifestyle guide. Thanks for listening.